This is the Prestidus Initiative. Welcome. I'm Chris Bean, and here with me is Chris Kent. Hello, Mr. Kent. Hello, sir. Today, we have a remarkable guest joining us today, Billy Lahr. He's an intentional living coach and host of the Mindful Midlife Crisis podcast, which focuses on navigating the complexities and possibilities of life's second half. Welcome, Billy. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Billy, let's start by diving into your journey. You, you've spent 20 years in, in education, and in 2021, you embarked on a profound change. Can you share a bit of, about that uh, transition and what led you to this path of intentional living? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I worked in education. I was an English teacher for 15 years and then I moved into the dean of students role for six years. And, you know, when you're the dean of students, nobody likes the dean of students. I mean, they make the dean of students is always the bad guy in every movie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, they never the dean of students is never the inspirational person because he's, he's the discipline. He's the hammer. Right. And that was my role. And I was public enemy number one. And to me that I just. I didn't enjoy that. I I think the kids were like, you love suspending us. Da, da, da. No, I don't, because then I got to call your parents and your parents are unhappy about it too. Like, And then if I don't suspend you, your teacher is upset with me. So it was just kind of a lose-lose situation. And as somebody who is like kind of a recovering people pleaser, like I, didn't, I didn't like that. I didn't like that feeling of always ruining somebody else's day. So, you know, 2020 rolls around. We've got the pandemic 2021. Uh, I, I had always said that when my dog crossed the Rainbow Bridge that I was going to take a leave and travel. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not married. I don't have kids. So red flags to all the ladies out there. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, I, when, when she passed away in April 2020, I had a full year then to plan this leave that i was going to take and i you know granted we were still in the pandemic and i had always wanted to go to korea and japan but those countries were not open at that time so instead i went to portugal for two months which was a lovely consolation prize i mean uh, portugal is now my favorite country i absolutely think lisbon is beautiful i think the algarve and Porto are all beautiful and i went to Spain for two weeks and I took a little side trip to Dakar, Senegal, because one of my goals is to paddleboard off the coast of every continent. Mm. So I went, I went there and then went back to the United States just to kind of reset. And I realized that I just wasn't going to be able to transition back into that position any longer. And so I resigned. And then that's kind of when the like, oh shit, now what do I do? So I was thinking about, man, and I put a lot of pressure on myself to make the podcast or monetize the podcast in some way. And that really stressed me out. So I think between, I just, I remember January of 2022 through, I, I'd even say through the end of June, 2022, I was really stressed out and I'm, I'm already a high strung, high intensity, high anxiety person. That's how I started practicing mindfulness because I was really struggling with my anxiety and that was manifesting in the depression, which was manifesting in the suicidal ideation. So I knew that I needed to go to therapy and I went to therapy and I was introduced to mindfulness and 
have been practicing it ever since. But I tell people who are like, you're kind of a spaz, like how there's no way you meditate. And I'm like, listen, I practice mindfulness so that I can be this level of obnoxious because if I didn't, I'd be an out of control asshole. So that's kind of the approach that uh, that's kind of the mindset that I've had when it comes to, to practicing mindfulness is just rather than running in the red all the time, how can I be maybe a little bit in the orange and in the yellow? And then if I'm in the blue and the green, well, that's just gravy. Those are the gravy moments, right? So anyway, when I got to Korea, the big realization for me was I had found a group of people who allowed me to just be my authentic self. And I think that that phrase is overused. I think it's kind of corny. But when you are actually, when you actually experience it, it really is revolutionary. So that experience in Seoul with this meetup group, they're called SoulShare. You can find them on Instagram, SoulShare79. I was introduced to their organizer, Iggy Lee. I had him on my podcast, and it was more just a way of saying thank you for, for changing my life, literally changing the course of my life. Because when I got back to the United States in July of 2022, I sold everything. And I went back to Korea in October of 2022 and was there for three more months and really just kind of fostered those relationships. And that's when I started leading virtual mindfulness sessions with that community. And then, you know, more and more people from around the, the, the globe were, were checking into that. And I still have a small group that joins me for these meditate and mingle sessions every Monday evening at 8 p.m. Central. But it, it, it kind of gave me this newfound sense of purpose, like, oh, okay. Like, I still enjoy teaching people, but the content is different. I used to be an English teacher. Now I'm a mindfulness teacher. So I started going through my mindful teacher certification program through Sean Fargo. And, and I was going around. I went to, to Thailand for six weeks. I went to Singapore for a week. I went to Vietnam for two weeks. And I went to Japan for two months. And the big takeaway for me was how important it is to find your community, find your crew. Because that community, that crew, is who is going to provide a opportunity for you to explore your curiosities. Um, B, who are going to kind of cheer you on as you do that. But then C, also, they're, they're, they're also going to challenge you in a way too. They're going to get you to think about things differently. And I think the beauty of traveling to different countries is you really get to see different perspectives of different cultures. And, and I've had to then think about that when I'm doing my teachings, because a lot of people, if I'm working with them and they're over in Asia, that might be their second or third language. So how do I talk to them in a way that they easily understand this this simple yet complicated concept of what it means to be mindful. So I'm, I'm on this mission to A, uh, demystify what it means to be mindful, but then B, I'm, I really, really despise this follow your passions nonsense. I think it's complete and utter ridiculousness because 
passion is a destination. Purpose and passion are destinations. They're not starting points. And so in order for us to, to find purpose first, we find purpose before we find passion. In order to find purpose first, we need to figure out what our strengths are and our weaknesses. And then secondly, we need to explore what our curiosities are. And then third, we need to find our crew. And in doing that over the last two years, I figured out what my purpose is. And so then where does, how do you turn purpose into passion? Well, it requires discipline. It retire, requires consistency. It requires patience and it requires self-compassion. And if we do all that, then boom, we have found our passion. So those are kind of the big takeaways from the last two years of traveling and now trying to, you know, uh, like seek, continue to seek out my, my crew, people who like the cut of my jib, so to speak, and who are like, yeah, I, I resonate with that. I'm interested in that. I'd like to learn more about that because the teacher in me wants to continue to help people navigate the complexities and possibilities of life. And now, rather than doing that through English, which I think was always a fascinating way to help people you know, navigate the, those challenges in life through other characters, now I'm able to do it through self-reflection, through intentional living, through mindful living. So uh, a couple of questions, I guess. Uh, number one, as you, well, okay, why did, why did you pick those places that you wanted to go through? Uh, so question number one, and then number two is, as you're going to those places, it seems like you were uh, using that as an outreach to, to share your mission, mission with people. Did you also learn things that you can apply and then therefore teach to the next uh, round of travels? Yeah. So I've always been fascinated with, with Asian architecture. So, I mean, when, I've wanted to go to Japan since I was a kid. So when I having that opportunity, I was like, yeah, let's, let's make this happen. And Korea was, uh, you know, right up there too. Japan was number one. Korea was number two. I wanted to visit both of those countries. Just so happened that Korea opened up before Japan post pandemic. So decided to, to go there first. But while I was there, I, I just made these really amazing connections with people. So and I chose Portugal because I wanted to go, you know, I, I, I've thought to myself, well, I'd like, I think it'd be fun to re retire in Portugal. So I want to go check that out. So that was number three on my list. And it did not disappoint. I absolutely loved it. And I chose Dakar because there's this surf camp down there, Angor Island Surf Camp. And they are just a wonderful group of people. And if you've never spent any time with surfers, that is the most badass group of people on the face of the earth. Like they... They have just have no fear. It is incredible the level of confidence that surfers have. It's really, it's really, really inspiring. And here I like kind of this high anxiety, high intensity, worry wart. And I'm watching these guys and they just have no fear. They're going into the ocean. And man, the ocean is a scary place. <laughs> yes. And they just had no fear. I mean, they're coming out with sea urchin needles in their feet and in, in, in their thighs because they get, because <laughs> they fall off and they hit these things. I'm like, what? And you're going back out there. It's just incredible. Surfers are a different breed. If you're a surfer, just props to you. I just, I'm so impressed by, 
by your lifestyle. And so, so, so kind of going back to, you know, what I learned, that was, that was something I learned too, was just kind of like admiring the surfer's confidence. Where can I be more confident? But then I think another big piece for me was I, <laughs> I met this, I met a woman in, in Korea and I was very interested in her. And I think because I've been traveling around so much, uh, there was kind of this sense of there, there, like there was loneliness. There was a little bit of isolation. So I was, I felt connected to her, but because I wasn't doing a good job of managing that. So this was in kind of that six month period where I was, uh, where I was just really stressed out about, Hey, what am I going to do for the rest of my life? Trying to find direction. Then I was kind of projecting that anxiety on her. <laughs> she said to me, talking to you stresses me out. And I was like, <laughs> oh, that's not a good thing right there. So I had to, A, kind of rein that in. But then B, it also made me realize that I had been putting a lot of time and energy into people who did not reciprocate the same time and energy into me. So that was a huge awakening for me. And I think that's what allowed me to really appreciate the last month that I was in Seoul. Because once I kind of had that awakening, once I had that realization, that new awareness, then all of a sudden I was able to enjoy my time with specific people in Seoul who had, you know, who I, I, I had met a lot of people through the meetup group, but there were people who stood out and I was able to deepen those relationships with the people uh, that I had met there. Once I kind of came to this realization that, Hey, stop spreading yourself so thin and trying to make connections with everybody and just invest in the people who are choosing to invest in you as well. And I think that's where this concept of find your crew comes from. And that's why I just think it's so important. And, you know, I, uh, Scott Galloway talks about this. And I think Richard Reeves talks about this too, particularly for 20 something males who are feeling isolated or are isolating it's really important for you to get out there and, and find connection and, and find your crew. And that is not through video games. That's not your crew, dude. You, it's, you need face-to-face -face interaction. You need to be around that energy of the group. And again, I'm not like woo-woo energy person, but there is something to this idea of synergy, right? There, like, you you meet people and you're like oh like I just like this dude's vibe right I like you you get that mm -hmm. and sometimes you're like well I'm not I I don't jive with this person so then you don't need to you don't need to make that connection but that face to face and being in a group it's really really crucial to our happiness I think there's actually a Harvard study out there right now that says like 95 percent of people who of successful people credit their their social circle credit their network i can't remember what that is i need to look that up but it's a there's a harvard study out there that talks about the importance of network so get out there and network 
Yeah, and you know, of course, you, you mentioned COVID, and COVID, I think, really was so detrimental to that side of the things because people learned that they they learned they they were they were trained, they were forced to stay inside, and they weren't able to go out and and have those interactions, those face to face things with other people, and doing face to face person to person is so much different than even doing video to video. You can video chat somebody, but there's so much just lost in that that you don't get when you're standing face to face with somebody. And uh, it's almost like people are fearful, not because of of spreading disease or or being sick, but they're just afraid of the rejection or the possibility of rejection. So they just don't even put themselves out there uh, anymore. It it is really, and you're right, it seems like it's mostly males and and the 20-something-ish round in that that type of generation. I, I... Maybe it would have happened otherwise, but I, I at least in part, attribute that to the the shutdowns that that we went through. Yeah, and I think too, you know, we're we're moving into a society where things are changing, and and that's hard. So you know, it's almost like things are getting reversed. Where we're, you know, I'm working with this group called Leading Men Institute, and and where you know where guys are kind of feeling frustrated is there there's the pressure like the right to to be the provider or whatever and i think a that's coming from themselves um and they're projecting that onto each other but then b it's it's kind of like well it's there's this shift in well like where do i fit in or what like where am i being seen where am i being heard it's like Hey, dude, you're being seen. You're being heard. Let's 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 be more aware of where you are being seen, where you are being heard, and and if you're not feeling that way, let's find a a healthy community, not a toxic community, but a healthy community. And like, I'm not a gamer, but like you know, I worked in I worked in schools for a long time, and it's amazing how many behavioral referrals came to me because something started within a gaming group Mm. or something started within a social media circle. So those are just toxic areas where it's really easy to be mean. It's just really easy to be mean. So that's why I think it's important to get out and find community face to face or even, you know, at the bare minimum, having like a zoom community where you guys can chat you can see face to face i mean that's bare minimum but you know hiding you know being a keyboard warrior those kind of things i I really want i really want people to move away from that and 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 just and you don't have to cut it out from your life if that's something that brings you enjoyment but really examine does it bring you enjoyment or like when you're done are you are you kind of, are you stressed? Are you mad about something? So what's actually bringing you joy? What's actually bringing you fulfillment? What's bringing you contentment? Those kinds of things. And, and yes, you know, it, you put, should be able to find those things within yourself. But again, it's a lot easier to find it within community. When you read that book into the wild, Krista McCandless says, happiness only real when shared. So where are you sharing those experiences? And where, how are you cultivating experiences? How are you being intentional about creating experiences 
with others. I think that's really, really valuable. And I'm sure the introverts out there are like, shut up, you stupid extrovert. It's like, no, <laughs> you can find a group as an introvert as well. Like you can find that community, however you want to do it. There's a way that, uh, that you can, that you can build community that you can build a crew that where you can, you can feed off of each other's energy, whatever that energy may be. Well, and so that's interesting. You talk about extrovert versus introvert. I was just reading recently that we have that kind of uh, idea set skewed, and introverted people are shy and shut down when they're around new people. But when they're around their community, their friends, they are as open as outgoing people. The extroverted people, and and, and that was really that was really interesting to me. And and the the tough part about that is a lot of times people get introvert or extrovert pressed on them and then they feel the need to live up to or or down to whatever that standard is and so then they think well I'm an introvert I'm not this isn't my and they don't like we miss out on the second half of that definition which is they're they're shy or closed off during new situations but on the the onset of learning and, and growing with those people it's a, it's a whole different person and because of that again, mindset that they live up to or down to is really, really tough because we lack the understanding of what that term actually, you know, means. Yeah. And Daniel Pink talks about this too, where like most people are ambiverts, like the overwhelming majority of people are ambiverts. Very, there's a small percentage that are true extroverts and there's a small percentage of people who are true introverts. But most people are ambiverts where they just kind of go and it's just, again, I think this is where mindfulness really comes into play. It's like, what do I need right now? Do I, in this present moment, do I need to be surrounded by people? And if so, who are those specific people? Do I need fresh ideas or do I just need the comfort of friends? Or do I just need some time alone? But then I also think too, if you're going to take that time alone, like, you know, being intentional about that too. What is it that I actually need? Do I need to binge this net this Netflix show? Maybe, maybe that's what you need. But if you if you have the time alone, just take about five, ten, fifteen minutes to just sit with what is present. And trying not to judge it as difficult as that is, but just allowing yourself that moment of presence. And I'm sure there are parents out there listening, like, easy for you to say, you don't have kids screaming, da 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 da. And I get it. I get it. But maybe in your morning commute, you can do something like that, right? Where you, you don't drive with music on, you don't drive with the radio on, you're just driving. And you're being present with what's coming up during the drive. So finding little moments like that, it doesn't have to be sitting with your legs crossed, eyes closed with your, you know, your forefinger and your thumb touching. You don't have to be sitting on top of a mountain with clouds around you, that kind of thing. We can demystify mindfulness and we can find ways to simply be present with what is if we are intentional about it. 
Well, so so that brings us to, to to the next to the next point. Okay, mindfulness practice. And you you mentioned you know driving in the car without the without the radio and stuff on. That's something that that I do, and we've talked about in the past. And and people think I'm kind of weird for it, but I like that kind of. And, and I don't have a very long commute, but I like that kind of quietness that that gets me set up to do whatever I have to do for the day, whether it's it's going to work or coming home from work. I can kind of uh, unpack the things that happened at work on my way home. That way I'm not walking in the door and and sharing all of my, my work stories about, you know, what happened at work. And then same thing at home. I don't want to bring my home to work. So that kind of, of purposeful shutdown, that in-between time where I'm just with myself focusing on what's going on around me and not, you know, being amused or, or, or lack of thinking while the radio is playing. I just, I, I, I shut, I, not shut down, but I shut down all the extra stimulus. And so, you know, what are, what are, what would be some other mindfulness practices that would be helpful that somebody could, you know, try out for themselves or, or use as a daily practice? Yeah, we just did an episode on this here recently. I think it's episode 108. So my my co-host is my buddy Matt Hazard and I I told him, "Listen, dude, you're going to be my guinea pig." So, you know, you're you're kind of the every man. He's married, he has kids. So, you know, he is in a sense kind of my my guinea pig for these mindfulness practices and he is a coffee connoisseur. He loves coffee. And so I said, you know, you, you go through this process to really like make the coffee, you know, you're, you're this, you're this, uh, uh, coffee artiste, right? So do you ever, do you enjoy that coffee? Do you like, do you sit and appreciate a, the work you put into making that cup of coffee B the work that that went into delivering that cup of coffee to you, whether it was packaged, the fact that it was grown somewhere, that it was harvested. Like, do you sit with that? Do you sit with the aroma? Do you sit with the warmth of it? And then when you take that first sip of coffee, not just actually tasting all of the flavors, being present, utilizing all five senses to to drink the coffee. And I'm not saying you need to drink your entire cup like that, but what if you took three minutes? What if you took three sips like that, where you activated all five senses, where you first smelled the aroma, and then you felt the heat come from off the, off the cup, right? What if you looked at the color of, of the coffee, and notice notice that or notice the those swirl of the coffee right i don't drink coffee that's that it's just not my thing but this is something that i think coffee coffee drinkers can do one thing i do do is i eat everybody eats you can do the same thing with your food right you think about like i worked in education sure i had 30 minute lunches you had 10 minutes to eat so you know, very rarely did I ever taste a meal. So now what I try and do every now and then, especially when I'm traveling, is to just enjoy the food. Maybe the first three, four, five bites. And just really slow down. And if I find myself shoveling the food in, I try to catch myself and say, oh, oh, oh okay, 
you're you're moving pretty fast there fella so just slowing things down and and chewing the food and feeling the texture change and really getting an appreciation for all of the flavors we do a you know during the meditate and mingle sessions i've done mindful eating and people really enjoy it because it's it's we can do it with just something as simple as grapes i've led it with grapes before i've led it with chocolate i've led it with raisins before and people are just like huh and they get this new appreciation for the flavors and the textures and even like i said the the harvesting of that and the production of it and the work that got or that went into getting it there so those are little things something that i used to do every morning and i'm i'm really bummed out that they don't make this anymore but i used to have this thing called a clairsonic so it's this vibrating exfoliating facial brush and i my my ex-girlfriend does hair so she always got these cosmetology products for for at wholesale and if you're out there and you're like you you why do you have cosmetology get over yourself dude and take care of your skin all right <laughs> like you just you, you need to take care of your skin but anyway i used to take that that brush and it would it would vibrate and exfoliate for one minute so i would put it on my forehead and i would say forehead right temple right jaw chin and i would just note where it was on my face and I would do that every morning in the shower because when I would wake up, my thoughts were already racing, even before I got into the shower. And the, taking a shower was the first thing that I would do in the morning. So I would always, I would already have these racing thoughts in my head about the millions of things that needed to get done throughout the day. So hopping in the shower and using that that Clarisonic just to slow down my thoughts actually was kind of a cue for the next step of my morning routine and then that, that cued the next step of the morning routine and that cued the next step of my morning routine to me morning routines are the ultimate game changer and i like andrew huberman has that that morning routine and it you I mean he's the smartest person on earth i just don't know how practical that is for 90 percent of the world right 90 percent of the population so find a morning routine that actually works for you. And I had a very smooth morning routine that, uh, that I talk about in, in the thing. It's like episode 79. People want to listen to that. But I had, this, I had a morning routine, and that's when I felt the most productive. When I was traveling, I fell out of that routine. And my, producti my productivity was affected. My mental health was affected, too. So now I've gotten back into, hey, this is a routine that we do in the morning. Because if you can, if you know what the first 90 minutes of your day are going to look like, that, that reduces a lot of the decision fatigue that we have to make, especially at the beginning of the day. So then once we get through those first 90 minutes of the day, then I feel like we can create flexibility and autonomy for the next however many hours. And then if we find and this is this is where I struggle the most is an evening routine, finding a way to wind down the same way at the end of every day. And that's still a struggle for me. But, you know, I, I work on it. I'm inconsistent with it. 
But when I have been consistent with it, again, my sleep improves, my morning routine is more automatic, and then I feel that productivity, I feel that flexibility, I feel that autonomy throughout that, you know, the middle part of the day much more. And so I, I really just stress those, those 180 minutes, the first 90 and the last 90 of your day. And there's no science behind 180. I just like using 180 because if you want to change your life, you can make a 180 degree <laughs> turn. That's the only reason why it's corny. Take it what you will. <laughs> well, so so the interesting part of that, I'm just going to kind of dissect that a little bit. Your Your mindfulness practices are essentially taking time to be present wherever it is that you are, whether you're eating, you're drinking coffee, you're driving, and that presentness will bring mindfulness to the things that you're doing, right? So, yes. So I, I do do that, but I also do meditate for 10 to 15 minutes in the morning, right? Now, again, you some people might say, I don't have 10 to 15 minutes to do that, dude. I get it. I get it. But I bet if you drive to work and you get to the parking lot at work or the parking ramp at work or whatever, I bet you have five minutes in your car to just sit and be present with your breath. I would be willing to bet that you do. And if you don't, like, let's take a look at what you're doing before that, right? So that we can build in 5 10 15 minutes maybe maybe you don't have 15 consecutive minutes but you might have three sets of 5 minutes throughout the day where you can just be present with your breath so so then how do we then build up to more sustainable moments where it can turn into 10 minutes and if you're new if you're new it's like 3 to 5 minutes is going to seem like an eternity understandable so I think that's why it's really valuable to, as you know, as corny as it may sound, to have a mindfulness coach, because a lot of people will come in to me and they'll say, "Well, I just keep, I don't know if I'm doing it right, or I'm judging myself. I want to be perfect with it." And I always tell them, "Listen, as long as you're practicing, you're doing it right. If you are aware." that you're no longer focused on your breath or you're no longer focused on whatever the intention is of our practice. And you're like, oh, hey, wait, my mind drifted up. That's awareness. And now we bring ourselves back with self-compassion. So there's two components to that. There's the awareness that you're no longer focused on it and you bring yourself back. But the self-compassion piece is the really difficult one. Because we call that the second arrow. The first arrow is the awareness. Oh, I'm no longer focused on this. But then the second arrow is the judgment. Right? So the story of, for the, of the second arrow is this guy's walking through the woods and he gets hit with this errant arrow from a hunter. And so there's the physical pain, but then the second arrow is the, why does this always happen to me? And so... That's what we want to be mindful of is that judgment. How do we then extend self-compassion when we realize, oops, I, I'm no longer focused on this. And that now I bring myself back to my intention, my focus, but I do it with self-compassion rather than drifting into a narrative that 
I'm doing this wrong, or I screwed this up, or I'm not good at this. And that takes practice. That takes intention. And so, you know, we think about, uh, uh, you know, if you, if you played sports, you've played youth sports, I, like I played baseball, I had a t-ball coach, I had a little league coach, I had a high school coach, right? Had I gone to, on to play college, I would have had a college coach. And then when I graduated from college, you don't have an adult coach. And adulting is hard. <laughs> adulting is really hard. You, and people, you know, I've talked to people about this and like, well, you should probably have it figured out by the time you're adult. Says who? <laughs> Says that it's my first time being an adult. Yeah. Right? So you're faced with these new situations. So that's why I'm a huge proponent of therapy. A huge proponent of therapy for everybody. If you, if you want to do something more than, than therapy, work with a coach, work with a coach and just kind of figure out there are ADHD coaches out there. I'm working with Jeannie Love right now. She's fantastic neurodivergent coach. There's mindfulness coaches out there like me, intentional living coaches out there. There's all sorts of coaches that are out there. And if you're thinking to yourself, I, I don't know that I can afford it. I, I, I understand that. I understand. It's a lot of coaches. It's a huge financial commitment. So then you just, you, you do have to ask yourself, can I afford to continue living this way? How much, how much more, how much longer do I want to continue in limbo or, or, you know, living, not necessarily living, not living your purpose, but, but feeling like you're shortchanging yourself in some way or you feel stuck. So who's going to help you unlock that? And honestly, it shouldn't be your friends because a lot of times your friends are going to tell you what you want to hear. And the other thing is that your friends have their own things going on. Like, like It's worth it to invest in yourself, to work with a therapist, to work with a coach. Because it, it maybe it's a personal trainer of some sort. And those are things that that I think we, we don't value. And if we're like, I, I'm not in a situation financially to do that. Understandable. That's understandable. But are there ways that A, you can maybe save up that you could do that? Or B, are there, you know, YouTube's, YouTube's free? Utilize that, right? And I should be here pitching my services, like, <laughs> come work with me. I'm the only person that, listen, if you can't afford it, there are other services out there for you. And you can, you can contact me and I'll help you find those. And I, I won't be like, hey, you should really work with me. I'll help you find those free resources. I'm not going to gouge you of your money, right? I just want to see you win. You had Kevin Paul Mary on uh, recently. Kevin Paul Mary is, uh, he's my podcast business coach. I love me some Kevin Paul Mary. <laughs> and I was hesitant to work with him at first. Be, and, and then he said to me, Billy, I just want to see you win. At the end of the day, I just want to see you win. And when he told me that, A, I believed him. And B, I said, take my money. <laughs> because I was like, this, I, I believe this dude. This dude just wants to see me win. And he's, he's not going to overcharge me on stuff. And we've had that conversation. He's like, I just, he's like you're doing stuff right now that... This isn't, this isn't worth it. This doesn't, the return on, on, you know, the ROI on this is not there. 
So let's just cut this out. And that meant taking money out of his pocket, right? So like, listen, as much as I would, as much as I would love to coach people one-on-one and make that extra buck, I'd rather just help people with whatever resources you have, wherever you are. That was kind of a big thing in education for me was, was that you had to meet people where they're at. It's okay to be where you're at, but you don't have to stay there. So let's find ways to move forward. Well, you know, I think that brings us to to the kind of the next point here is you advocate for taking healthy risks. And, you know, could you perhaps share some some insights and importance into bracing these risks, you know, whatever area of the life that, that people are in? And then how can they how can individuals do that with a with a thoughtful intent or purpose behind it? Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you what, that's another area that I think I'm really working at. Um, and I've seen the benefits of, of taking healthy risks. I'm someone like, I like structure. I like routine. I like knowing when the next paycheck is coming. The last two years has been the, the complete opposite. <laughs> and people have said to me, Billy, you're so brave for doing this. You're so brave for just quitting your job, for traveling around, for starting this podcast, for doing this, you know, this solo coaching stuff. That's really brave of you. My response to that is there's a fine line between bravery and stupidity, and I don't necessarily know which side I'm on yet. (laughs) (laughs) So, so, but I, I do know this, I wouldn't trade my, my new problems for my old problems Mm. at all. I've never, there's no way. And I think because I have taken these healthy, calculated risks, like I knew that I had saved up enough money. I didn't just quit my job. I had made sure that A, I had saved up enough money. You know, I, I, I waited to, you know, I, I didn't want to travel with my dog because I knew that she was kind of at the end of her, her days. And, you know, I, I didn't want to, carry her around the world because I think that would have gotten away of my experience. So I waited, I waited for her to pass. I made sure that I had enough money saved up in order to take a leave. And then, you know, just kind of recognizing that, all right, I'm not going to be able to transition back into this role. So now it's time to, to move on from that. Um, but then going to, going to countries where I don't speak the language and, and you know, those aren't necessarily, I don't think those are big risks, but they were healthy risks because, you know, I, I, I'm not a big believer in get outside of your comfort zone. I think we're constantly telling people to get outside of their comfort zone. And I'm like, Hey, it's just go ahead and enjoy the comfort zone every now and then. Like, go ahead and be present with, with feeling comfortable. You don't have to constantly be in a state of discomfort or pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone. In fact, being outside of your comfort zone activates the fight, flight, or fright response in your brain. It fires up the amygdala. And being in your comfort zone you know, activates that, uh, uh, the prefrontal cortex, which regulates emotion. I mean... Yeah, I think if you ask anybody who's homeless on the street, would they like to be comfortable? 
I think their answer would be yes. <laughs> now, here's my reframe on that. Your comfort zone is like pizza dough. So we should be stretching our, our comfort zone like pizza dough. And I, someone said to me, well, don't you pull pizza dough from the outside? No, what are you, a heathen? <laughs> Nobody pulls pizza dough from the outside. You push pizza dough from the inside. So you push out your comfort zone from the inside. You expand that. And then you recognize, hey, where is the dough getting thin? So then what do you do? You put a little bit more dough on there. So those are experiences. Those are, those are learning opportunities. Those are, uh, you know, what have you, whatever is going to help you grow, right? So that you can expand, you throw a little flower on there, right? But it's just little pieces. You're just, you're just, you're, you're looking at, Hey, what areas are thin? And then you push those out, right? So that's kind of, that's what I mean by, by taking healthy risks is that you don't need to get outside of your comfort zone, but push your comfort zone outwards for, should we push your comfort zone from within and notice where things are thin and then take a minute to look at, okay, Hey, this area is thin right here. If I'm going to keep pushing myself, I need to first replenish this, right? That's why I think love languages is really, really important. Um, not only just in relationships, but also at work, you have work love languages, right? And you have self love languages too. So how do you take care of your, your, yourself in, in those ways? Um, you know, I'm, I'm continuing to take risks, but then I'm also recognizing that, okay, at what point do I say I've taken enough risks and I, I'm, if I'm not seeing a return, is it okay for me to say, okay, I'm not going to take that risk anymore? There's a, uh, I highly recommend, it's, it's the Jordan Harbinger show. Jordan Harbinger is like, like my idol in terms of the podcasting world. And he did two episodes with poker legend Annie Duke. And Annie Duke has a book talking about like, the importance of quitting, knowing when to quit, because poker players fold almost every hand. But when they see the right hand, they see the what what the right they get the right cards. Then they play those cards, but they're not constantly playing. They're intentional, so they're quitting more than they're putting in. So. I think it's important to be able to recognize this idea, never give up, never give up, never give up. Well, the question you have to ask yourself is how much longer am I willing to go on like this without seeing a change? And then what's kind of the dead date, right? When, when is the time when I say to myself, all right, this just isn't working out. So I need to put a, a, a complete stop to this and move on to something else. And that in and of itself is a risk because then you've got FOMO, like the, you got the what ifs, right? But we just have to, I mean, life is all about balance and recognizing those balances. And what I've learned, especially here in the last few months, is the importance of listening to your gut. And again, that's where being present with what is 
really gives you an opportunity to to make the best decision for you in the moment and moving forward. Now, one thing one thing that that I can see that you are kind of about is trying to maximize efficiency, right? And and from what I understand, you have you've you've talked about the to-do list and the and the chips list. Uh, maybe kind of dissect that. Let us know how that applies to living in a, a, you know, a daily efficient type of life. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of to-do lists because I just think that's a list of things like, I could do this, I could do this, I could do this. So I created this thing called a chips list. So the C stands for complete. These are the things that absolutely positively need to get done today whether they're on a deadline or whether you're just sick and tired of seeing them on your list of things that need to be completed. So just get, those are the things that you get done. And you like nothing, nothing else happens until those things are done. You want to enjoy a part of your day, not until those things are done. So it's maybe important to me, three to five things on your complete list, right? getting those things done. And then the H stands for hooray. How are you going to celebrate the fact that you got those things done? I always caution people, don't use food and don't use alcohol as your hooray because it creates this tricky relationship with food and alcohol. Um, I would, if I strongly encourage people to give Dr. Sohee Lee it's now Dr. Sohi Carpenter, follow on Facebook. And then her husband is Ben Carpenter. They do such a fantastic job of talking about uh, your relationship with food. So highly recommend, go check out those two, give them a follow, I, I really enjoy them. And then, uh, so the I and the P and the S stands for in progress and start. So these are just things that you wanna move along or things that you wanna start knowing that they are eventually going to move into the complete column. So if you know, sitting down in the morning and be like, what is it that I absolutely positively need to complete today? Writing down those three to five things, boom, and then crossing them off because it feels good to cross things off. So cross them off and see the actual progress. And then if you know if you put them on post-it notes, what's kind of cool, I actually just thought of this idea. So this is not something I've done in the past, but I'm like, maybe I should do this. Is that it, if you have the complete list, especially on post-it notes, and then you cross them off and you date them and you just kind of put them up around the room, you can see how much you have accomplished throughout a week or throughout a month. And then in those moments when you're like, ugh. Like, I just, I feel like, you know, I feel so unproductive. You can look up and be like, oh, dang, I can look at all these things that I have done. And the temptation might be, I could, I could have done so much. Leave that temptation at the door and, and, and celebrate the successes. And maybe that's your hooray. Maybe your hooray at the end of the week is looking at what you've done and feeling as, like allowing yourself to feel proud of the work that you have done. That's your hooray. Giving yourself the pat on the back. 
So it's just little things like that. It doesn't have to be something that's external or tangible. It can just be, hey, that's a job well done. Billy, thank you. Thank you for such a such a wonderful conversation with us. Uh, you know, hey, is there anything you would like to to leave our listeners with? So I got to tell you this. So so before I came into uh, this interview, I, I wasn't in a super great mood. Like I was just, I was just, you know, like I, I was kind of down on myself. Like, Ugh, you know, what what am I doing? And then we had some technical issues. <laughs> yes, we did. Going into this, right? We had some technical issues. And so now that's kind of building this narrative like, oh, God, you know, do, do these guys know what they're doing? And then when when you guys popped up on the screen, I was like, it, it was kind of one of those things where it was just like, oh, man, these. how many times have I been in this situation before where we, where we had technical issues? And I knew it was frustrating. And... I had like I had two choices. I could be like, "Hey guys, get your shit together." Or I could be like, "Hey guys, what's up? Like, are things good?" And I feel like hopefully I came off with a smile and just said, "Hey, you know, let's problem solve this together." And you know, things weren't working on on your end, so I'm like, "Hey, let's do it on my end here." And we were able to problem solve because even though I was in this this bad mood before, I knew that that wasn't going to like that wasn't going that wasn't going to make for a good interview for you guys and you didn't deserve that you know you didn't deserve to have pissy billy talking to you guys that kind of thing and you you guys were i mean i've been in situations where the the technical side of things weren't working on the podcast and and how frustrating that is and how like you start sweating and oh my gosh what does this look like and and here we are we had a really good conversation and I just, you know, I talk about crew, I talk about community, I talk about this idea of synergy. Like, I I want to stay, I want invite you guys to my crew. I would like to be part of your crew. You guys just seem like really good dudes, and we were able to to navigate that that technical issue and have this really great conversation. And, like, I don't know about you, but I'm in, like, a much better mood. <laughs> I am just having this conversation with you guys. I'm in a totally better mood than I was before. Like, like I said, before I was just in a bad mood and I'm like, Oh, now we got these technical issues. And then I saw you guys and I'm like, nah, these guys are just trying to, these guys got a great setup. You guys have a great setup. Like, Thank you. To the, to the point where I'm a bit envious of how <laughs> awesome your setup is right here. So I, uh, I, I applaud you guys for for making it work, and I applaud you guys for for having conversations with people who are are providing opportunities for people to reflect, learn, and grow. And I am eternally grateful for this opportunity to to be a guest on your show. So thank you so much. Well, Billy, where where can people go to to learn more about you? Yeah, they can love. I would love it if people would subscribe to the Mindful Midlife Crisis podcast. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. You can go to www.mindfulmidlifecrisis.com. You can join our Mindful Midlife community. That's where you'll get the guide to my no BS GPS guide to purpose and passion. No, I'm not going to tell you to follow your passions because, like I said, that's complete and utter nonsense. If you're interested in in doing the meditate and mingle sessions, I'll tell you now, they're, it's not an hour of meditation. It's like a 10 to 15 minute guided practice. And then we talk about, hey, 
what came up for you during that practice? What, what were you present with during that practice? What was challenging in this practice? And now how can you use this new awareness moving forward? We do that every Monday evening at 8 p.m. Central Time. And if you want to learn more about that, you can go to www.mindfulmidlifecrisis.com and click on the Meditate and Mingle banner at the top and get more information there. I have courses at the website too that you can check out if you're curious about those. And then if you like, if you are curious, where is Billy Lar in the world? Kind of like, where is Carmen San Diego? So where is Billy Lar? <laughs> if you want to go to my Instagram page, that's the one. Instagram, it's mindful underscore midlife underscore crisis. You can also follow me on LinkedIn at Billy Lar L-A-H-R. Send a message. I'd love to know who's listening to this. I'd like to know who's resonate, who resonated with what I was talking about here. I, I'm, I, I love, like I said, I just like connecting with people. I really enjoy connecting with you guys. I enjoy connecting with your listeners at some point and, and uh, looking forward to seeing where, where your adventures go and looking forward to where my next adventures take me as well. Hey, you know, real quick note on your on your Instagram. I got to tell you, it's it's really cool seeing you do your your signature jump pose in all the different <laughs> all the different locations. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. So the story behind that is like uh, I'm a huge Pearl Jam fan. I've seen Pearl Jam 52 times in nine countries, and Mike McCready, the guitar player. He does this jump, and I, you know, I was just, so I was like, "Oh, that that looks kind of cool." So I started doing this jump, and then it just kind of became a thing where I'm like, "Yeah, you know, I think I'm I'm in these spots around the world, and you know, in front of temples, and in front of oceans, and in front of rock cliffs, and you know, what have you. I'm climbing on top of a mountain. Da 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 da." da. I'll, I'll do these jumps. And so I just started doing these jumps. So every Monday I have jump start Monday and it's just to ask people, Hey, what are your, what are your goals for the week? And so people can go to the Instagram and check out those jumps. And, and, uh, I'd love to, I'd love to hear what people's goals are. And, and yeah, there, it's a lot of fun. I've, there's a lot of different, a lot of different countries, a lot of different cities where I've taking those pictures. So thank you for, for acknowledging that. I, I appreciate it. One of my love languages is words of affirmation. You'll, so that kind of stuff will win me over all day long. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, It's been a lightning conversation with Billy Law here today. Uh, Billy, thank you again for, for sharing your insights and expertise into intentional living, mindfulness, and, and navigating uh, the mid midlife with us. Uh, remember, listeners, these practical takeaways from Billy can help you not just survive and thrive during your midlife journey, but through your journey wherever you are. And that concludes another insightful episode of the Prestidus Initiative. If you found this conversation valuable, don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and share it with your friends. The, your support means the world to us. As always, if you have any questions or comments or topic suggestions, feel free to reach out to us and we'd love to hear from you. Until next time, take care and keep striving for a prestigious life.